Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, December 2nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Airbnb gives potential investors a clearer picture of its IPO plans. And when it comes to Brexit talks, the EU is keeping the UK on a short leash. You'll get that pun a little later. Plus, Brazil's president has made himself very popular with monthly subsidies for a third of the population. But is this move economically sustainable? We'll take a look. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. There was quite a bit of tech news on Tuesday. Salesforce and Slack shook hands on a deal. The cloud software company bought the messaging app for nearly $28 billion. The cash and stock deal is the largest in the cloud software industry. It even beat Microsoft's takeover of LinkedIn four years ago. And then there was an update on Airbnb's IPO. The company could raise as much as $2.5 billion in its initial public offering. The price of a share could be between $44 and $50 each, and we'll likely see Airbnb on the stock market before Christmas. Here to give us a little more context is the FT's venture capital correspondent, Miles Krupa. Miles, how did the pandemic affect Airbnb's fundraising goals? Airbnb is going a bit traditional, actually, by raising money in an IPO. At one point, the company was leaning towards what we call a direct listing, where it wouldn't sell any new shares, but just float its stock onto the public market instead. Then the pandemic struck, and Airbnb basically realized it needed the money. So it raised $2 billion in debt to bolster its balance sheet, and now it's looking to raise even more. It's also worth noting that Airbnb is planning to use about $1.2 billion of the proceeds, a fairly large sum, to pay taxes and remittances charges on employee stock grants, which have been weighing on the company leading up to this IPO. So, Miles, Airbnb is out on its roadshow this week. Um, The travel and tourism industry has, of course, been massively hit since the beginning of the pandemic. What's the most important thing Airbnb needs to do to get potential investors on board? So, to a certain extent, investors will forgive Airbnb for 2020, Uh, The company has showed it can cut costs and it turned a profit in the third quarter. Um, It certainly fared better than some of its competitors. However, Airbnb needs to show investors now that it still has room to grow when it emerges from the pandemic. So growth had already been slowing coming into this year, and the company's expenses grew by quite a bit in 2019, which I'm sure investors will have questions about. The bottom line for investors is how is Airbnb attracting new hosts and users, and how does it plan to keep them engaged on the platform into the future? Miles Krupa is the FT's venture capital correspondent. Thank you, Miles. Thanks, Mark. There are several big agreements the EU and UK need to come to before the Brexit transition period ends on December 31st. But there are many small but important things the EU is refusing to budge on too. Brussels is holding back on granting Britain a whole collection of rights and regulatory waivers. The idea here is that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. That includes deals the EU already has with other non-member EU states. For example, UK drivers as of January 1st would not enjoy the same freedom from insurance red tape the EU extends to countries including Serbia. Then there are pets. 
the UK is looking to obtain a status with the EU that allows dogs, cats, and ferrets to cross borders without quarantine. The UK has been waiting for this status for the past two years, and if the EU doesn't grant it, it could be extremely burdensome for UK pet owners. The two sides need to move fast, otherwise in five weeks the UK will leave the EU without a deal, and many of these small but important details will add up. Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro has discovered the electoral joys of welfare spending. His opinion poll ratings jumped after he launched a monthly subsidy for nearly a third of the population at a cost of over $9 billion a month. But these corona voucher payments are due to end on December 31st, and economists are worried that the president will want to use more subsidies to boost his popularity, something that Brazil can't really afford. Michael Stott is our Latin America editor. Hey, Michael. Hello, Mark. Michael, uh, how well has Brazil succeeded in limiting the worst effects of the pandemic? Is the economy seeing the beginnings of an upturn? Well, the human cost, Mark, has been very high. I mean, Brazil's had 173,000 deaths as at the end of November. That's the second highest total in the world. But if you adjust for the size of population, it's ninth, which is a little bit better than the UK, similar to the US. So not a great success on the health front. On the economic front, it's done a bit better because in a neighborhood, Latin America, where the pandemic has hit economies very hard, Brazil is forecast to be down this year about 4%, which is roughly half as bad as the rest of the region. But, you know, the key to their success, or I guess keeping things afloat, is borrowing. And they're they're not the only one, right? Other countries, a lot of countries have, have turned to borrowing in these times. But why is it a particular problem in Brazil? Yes, you're right, Mark. I mean, even even the IMF, the guardians of fiscal orthodoxy in Washington, have told governments around the world that they should spend freely. The problem in Brazil is that Brazil had a very high level of debt going into the coronavirus pandemic. So Brazil's debt to GDP ratio was already in the mid 70, 76% last year, which doesn't sound a lot by European standards, but it's very high by emerging market standards and very high by Latin America standards. And this year, with the economy shrinking, spending going crazy, it's forecast to hit 95% of GDP, which is very high for an emerging market. So the alarm bells are starting to ring. Wow. So, so a really big hole that they're going to have to dig themselves out of. And this is why economists like the central bank governor have raised alarm bells and urged the government to resume fiscal discipline. Um, what are they saying? Well, what they want to see really is a clear plan from the government next year to get spending under control. And the only way it can do that is by passing some structural reforms. Brazil has a big problem, which is that a lot of spending is indexed and is mandatory by law. And 94% of the budget every year goes in mandatory outlays. So there's almost no discretion left at all. And the problem is to get this under control, to actually have a margin of money that you can spend, you need to change the way that the system works. And that means structural reforms. That means political discipline. And at the moment for President Bolsonaro, that's something he's less committed to than he was at the start of his term in 2018. Yeah, but aside from from pulling back on the subsidies for political reasons, you know, it would be hard to pull back on them if they're actually working uh, to help Brazil pull out of the crisis. Is that the case? Well, they've proved incredibly popular. I mean, clearly, if you give $110 a month to a third of the population, it's going to be a very popular policy. Sure, I wouldn't hate it, you know. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it's enormously expensive. And of course, because it's just a cash handout to people fairly indiscriminately, it's not targeted at the people who need it most. In fact, there were some interesting statistics last month showing that it's raised beer consumption significantly in Brazil. And when that money stops, there's not any sense that this has preserved jobs or that it's helped investment or that there's any longer term benefit in the economy. It's just cash in people's hands for them to go and spend. What is the longer term impact for Brazil and its goal to curb the budget deficit? Well, this year, all of the plans for structural reforms have been put on hold. And the big question is whether it actually happens next year. If it does, Brazil still has a decent chance of getting its finances under control and getting back on track to grow. But if it doesn't, we could be looking at a markets crisis going into the first half of next year. Michael Stott is our Latin America editor. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Mark. Before we go, U.S. Senators announced a $908 billion stimulus proposal yesterday. The amount landed between the House Democrats' $2 trillion proposal from September and Republicans' counterproposal of half a trillion dollars. Yesterday's plan was introduced by a bipartisan group of senators, but it's unclear whether it'll be enough to deliver a breakthrough. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.